Hey everyone, before we get started, uh, I've got a little bit of an announcement to make. Uh, we have a new podcast joining the Deus Ex Media Network. Uh, of previous guests and friends of the podcast, um, and also fellow creators just in general, uh, Charlie from Of the Eldest God and Robert, uh, who, uh, has hosted a variety of podcasts and guested on here before, uh, have created their own podcast covering Steven Universe called The Bits. You'll hear the trailer at the end, but I just wanted to let you know before we get started that, uh, that podcast is now out. They've released their first episode. Go and check it out. I'm experiencing Steven Universe for the first time through this podcast, so I'm really excited to listen to it. Uh, yeah, go and check it out wherever you get podcasts and also on the Deus Ex Media website. On to the episode. A podcast to honor the gods. This better come with a sacrifice. Deus Ex Media. Contend Capable acknowledges the indigenous people on the land on which we record this podcast, the Tarongrong people. We offer our respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Sovereignty was never ceded. content capable where the last time i recorded a podcast i wasn't wearing glasses uh i now i'm wearing glasses and i don't know what to do with myself glasses are weird someone get this weird frame thing off my face um i'm sam i'm your host um and uh this week i'm joined with the hosts of completely arbitrary uh casey and alex hi casey and alex hello hey, sam how you doing i am I look, I'm living the dream. Um, outside smells like wood fire smoke. Uh, winter has somehow come early um, to the point where I might just go and um, drive up and see the snow at this point. I um, because <laughs> who, 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 when they live near a ski field, doesn't go and have a look at the snow. Exactly. And I should also note, you look smashing in glasses. Yes. It, it, they fit oh, you perfectly. You. Um, I... It's it's a weird thing where I've always felt weird about having things on my face. Mm-hmm. So this has been a a bit of transition, and I haven't recorded a podcast for a few weeks, um, which is why this might sound a little bit awkward and rusty. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> not um, at all. This is the greatest thing. I went traveling for three like three weekends in a row. Like I still worked back home, but then I went out and I traveled and did bits and pieces. So then. I've like not recorded an episode. The greatest thing about pre-recording is what the, the what the guests no not what the guests what the listeners don't know. Yes. Um, uh, but yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, Casey and Alex, do you just want to quickly uh, give a bit of a rundown of who you are and what your podcast is about? I would love to. Alex, would you like to go first? Well, sure. Uh, my name's Alex. This is Casey. Casey, Hi. Say hello. I'm Casey. <laughs> we uh, we have a podcast called Completely Arbitrary, where we talk about trees and other related topics. So each episode, we select a species of tree from around the world, and we spend about 90 minutes or so, if we can get away with it. If we can. Sometimes. <laughs> talking about that tree and then uh, telling kind of a story about some related topic, like history or yeah. food or... Um, those are the two that I really latch on to. <laughs> Those are Alex's favorites, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm Casey, Casey Clapp, and I am a, um, an arborist here in, we're in Portland, Oregon, and uh, Alex is a good friend of mine from many, many years ago, mm-hmm. and whenever I come up with some creative idea, I, I tell him about it, and he usually is like, yeah, that's a great idea. And this one time... <laughs> We were both like, this sounds great, let's do it. So we started this podcast, and I, before this, was a, an arborist working for the city of Portland, Oregon, and I was doing a lot of regulation, and I work with trees in every way that one can work with trees, so I kind of took a pivot to get all the knowledge and, and uh, kind of fun things that I like about trees out to the world, and Alex was Alex was into it as a, as a, uh, a bona fide tree skeptic, yeah. which is fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get to convince him every week why trees are really cool and also get to talk about the things that I love, which is uh, not only history and food 
rooted in mythology, but how trees relate to happiness and your enjoyment of the outdoors and fungus and animals and other trees and the dynamics of everything you name in this world. Um, they're all other related topics. So I could probably figure out a way to say, you know how trees are related to that? And then talk about that for approximately 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we do it every it's week. Like a it's like a really good game of, um, the, uh, there's like a there's a game where you just try to like talk about something without saying um or ah. Um. It's like a really good game. Oh yeah, where you just just connect everything to trees the whole time. I don't think I could do that without doing um or ah. Uh. I would I would lose that game so fast. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you can do two. Let's not do two things at once here. No, but yeah. you know, <laughs> not this time. Of all things, being an arborist in Portland almost almost feels stereotypical because of yeah. the obviously the Pacific Northwest, like. Yeah, I don't know. Like with being so close to the Pacific Northwest, is it easy to be a fan of trees because you are so close to some really beautiful forests? Yeah, I you know honestly, I'll answer for myself. But this is a really good question for Alex mm. because I have been kind of noticing and looking and being around trees for so long that my answer is like, uh, absolutely. That's half the reason I haven't, you know, left without coming back. Um, but Alex has not had the same kind of experience with trees as I have, you know, growing up or at least in our college years. Yeah. So I think that'd be a good one for Alex to touch on. Yeah. Well, Casey and I are uniquely sort of two sides of the same Portlander coin yeah. where Casey is the tree climbing coffee snob go find the go drive out to the woods you and, know and i am the uh opinionated hipster <laughs> yes <laughs> and so i yeah i but i trees are trees are uh not something i really focused on for the first 33 years of my life <laughs> it, was, it was funny how you have that timing known exactly yeah yeah, I I think for me it was uh, once I started really opening my eyes and seeing what's unique and special about the Pacific Northwest, even from Northern California up, it was like, wow, this is a really special place. And I love a big tree, so being able to drive in any direction for at least a little while and be you know surrounded by things that are massive and have nobody else near them, whether or not they've been there for you know a couple hundred thousand years. Whatever it is, uh, it's nice to look and just kind of be one with a bunch of things because this is a, a smaller populated area than, say, the East Coast. So it's had a little bit uh, less trammeled, maybe? It's, trammeled. Uh, yes, that's the term. Uh, untrammeled by man Not is the trampled. definition of a, a wilderness out here. Interesting. Yeah. It's a little bit white-centric, though, because uh, everyone will remind you that there has been people in these yeah. forests for thousands of years, so untrammeled by, by man doesn't ever quite mean anything, but... I get what they're getting at. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah, I took I took trees yeah. for granted for a very long time because of the, they were just sort of like a part of my environment. Um, and then it was only when we started this podcast that I started learning about them and then I kind of started to appreciate them more, certainly. Nice. Which is the goal. Yeah, no, it's... I, I Look, it, it's a very similar setup, I think, here on Australia's east coast. Mm -hmm. I think especially because all of our population is so close to the coast, um, especially in, like, big cities like um, Sydney or Brisbane, especially, where you drive an hour west and you're, you know, in the middle of nowhere and you can, you know, there's hiking trails, there's, you know, mountain biking trails. Yeah. There's Actually, there is a set of trails that run basically the length of the country. And, wow. you, know, you can kind of go and, um, you know, go and explore any area of the country without really being impeded. And obviously, you know, we, it, it's not been totally untouched, but it is, you know, you know, untouched by, you know, a developer's hand. Yes. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's probably the good distinction to add in there is like, yeah, this is people have been here in these places for so long where we lose track of it in our modern day, but the modern day kind of, land sensibilities perhaps haven't uh, completely decimated at all. Mm -hmm. So we've talked to a, a few people down in Australia and heard, heard very similar things of all those mountains on the kind of east and southeast coast area, or I guess inland from the coast. Yeah. Yeah. It's like our version of, I almost want to say the Rockies, but the Rockies are obviously much bigger yeah. and much more significant, but we have what's called the great dividing range. Yes. Such an original name. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it runs, you know, that's what, 
causes, you know, the mountains that are high enough here for skiing mm. and far south enough as well. Uh, but it runs as a natural border basically up the length of the country. Wow. And you have this really, like, almost um, temperate and wet uh, eastern side. And then, uh, not temperate, um, you know, wet and a little bit more rainforesty, mm. a little bit more... Um, and then on the western side, you've got this more temperate, beautiful grasslands that, like, are perfect for farming because there's this huge river valley that runs through the middle. And then you basically... People think that the whole of the country is desert, but yeah. a, a good, like, a good third of the country from the east coast into is, you know, habitable, really lovely land. And then you head into uh, getting towards the, the delightful parts of the desert. Yeah. That's a funny, ironically, in the opposite way... People think about Portland, or rather Oregon, the Pacific Northwest, is this like right. verdant green landscape, and it's really just mm. the uh, the one the the furthest east. I'm sorry, the furthest west third of the states mm-hmm. of the region. As soon as you go kind of east of the Cascade Mountains, it's exactly similar to what you're talking about, where it just becomes really dry, high um, high desert kind of situation. Shrublands, so, right? Is yeah, that exactly. Yeah. So it's always fun to have those people be like, wow, the whole place is a desert, and you get there, and you're like, wow, this is v- so beautiful. And then the exact opposite thing up here, if you go further out, you know, yeah. the whole thing is different. That is interesting how those, how those sort of things become like, popular opinion yeah like australia's one big outback <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> right um but it actually is like incredibly diverse yeah and i think that like we also i think often conveniently forget that you know i a country especially um spanning on such a large area like australia but also places like japan that go f- so far north and mm. so far south mm-hmm. um Across many different zones that like con- that like change the way that you know the climate exists. So I'm at the southern part of the country. It's we're heading into winter, so it's cold and wet, um, and a little bit you know it can't, becomes a little bit drab and dreary. Mm. Up in the north of the country where I used to live, it's like perfect temperate days. You could be wearing shorts and a t-shirt outside <laughs> in the middle of winter. Um, literally rocked up, my parents live up that way, um, literally rocked up to the airport and I was like, you can tell you're in an airport in Queensland because everyone is wearing thongs um, <laughs> and it's water. <laughs> so, like, um, flip-flops for, for the Americans. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's yeah. been... Um, I mean, maybe uh, both. It been- is cold, you know, yeah, you might, or it is warm, you might as well. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. Um, and that and everyone up there is a... Um, is way more casual than we are down uh, here. Yeah, but um, <laughs> but it is. It's it's very fascinating, and it also like kind of changes the way that the environment works. Like obviously, Australia is really well known for say the gum trees and bits and pieces. But like mm-hmm. down here, alongside our gum trees, are a whole bunch of deciduous trees that like are in like full color changing, and it's absolutely beautiful. No and something way. I would never thought I would have seen Me here in Australia. Wow, I what, gotta look into that. What's an example of a Australian species that's like a great deciduous tree? Yeah, I think a lot of them are in- introduced species. To mm. be perfectly honest, oh, okay, um, sure. a lot of poplars around, gotcha. um, but a lot of them are from like the similar climate regions around the world. Um, like California has a lot of gum trees mm-hmm. hanging around, like especially Southern California, because they really drought resistant like yeah. really good at um, holding on to water um and so i think we've done kind of the same as well especially um as you head up towards the pacific northwest a lot of those trees end up down have ended up down here mm-hmm. there's some beautiful towns that are like the road into town is lined with poplars that have turned yellow and mm. it's been absolutely beautiful gotcha gorgeous Always goes both ways. You always forget about that. Yeah. Our things go down there too. That's so right. That was nice. I guess other than the radiata pine, we know about that one for sure. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, so when you guys started the podcast, obviously, you know, you wanted to share your love of trees. Mm. Was there like something that you weren't expecting to kind of learn along the way? Hmm. Specifically about trees or just in general? 
I think just in general, sure. other than podcasting is hard and yeah, uh, right. be careful, it's a trap. <laughs> it's yeah. a trap. You're, you're going to do way too much work and only have a couple really good people that you're like, I'm doing this for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. I mean, I, I can kind of speak for myself, but I think also, Casey, and let me know, but, yeah. you know, Casey and I, this is a, this is a business mm-hmm. um, just as much as it is like uh, uh, art yeah if i if i can deign to call it that you know mm-hmm. but um yeah. we do put out a weekly show that supports both of our livings yeah um that was the big the biggest learning curve for me because i didn't know the first fucking thing about starting a business mm. uh much less maintaining maintaining a business um through good times and hard times yeah um so th- yeah that's been and continues to be the sort of biggest kind of genre of lessons I learned from this show. Mm-hmm. Um, besides, you know, all the tree stuff, all yeah. of that's well, brand new to me. Well, yeah, we got that. We got that locked down. Yeah. But I, I, I've, I've certainly learned a lot of, a lot of that, a lot about trees. Yes. Uh, what about you case? Let's see. I, I think the big thing for me, which is actually, it is certainly the situation where Alex learns a lot of tree things for me because we're doing a, you know, I'm teaching people about trees. He being the person who kind of, uh, is the is the the one of us who makes sure that everything translates well to everyone else um one thing yeah. that i have learned is how to um like how much art and artistry comes into these things i'm a scientific minded person mm-hmm. i'm also a, a you know a communicator i'm a science communicator i've learned this but the 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 kind of more interesting, less uh, artistic things never quite came to me. So, like, we have a, our Cone of the Month Club, which is a new cone every month for everyone who signs up on our Patreon. And uh, stickers, stickers, yes. Yeah, we send them stickers in the mail of different species of cone. Yeah, and and Alex finds all of those artists to draw or paint or create this cone art, however it's going to come out. And I w- was like how are you finding these people? And I was like, oh, they're just everywhere. And just had these artists like all over the place. And like, would we'd go talk to have an idea about a photo shoot or a piece of merch or you name it. And Alex like filled up the entire podcast, like with this visual aspect to it. So now we almost have this like, this background of certain colors and artists and people and things that are representative of the show, but in a medium I was not even prepared to think about. Like, what's your logo going to look like? You know, how mm-hmm. how are you going to keep having new uh, new ideas for things uh, to give away, give away or to sell as merchandise? And Alex has just picked up that entire side of this. So anything that is a representation that you can see of our show show is something that alex brought into it that i never quite knew was such an important thing until alex brought it up and i'm like oh branding and uh (laughs) keeping things interesting and yeah all these kinds of ideas um alex has this really particular eye for what's what's look what looks good and what plays and kind of you know this whole other visual side that i just don't have and i learned learned that Thanks, Case. I I appreciate that. Uh, I appreciate you saying that. And I, if I can just like see something in you, I don't. I don't mean to paint you psychologically or anything. <laughs> but at the be, I think at the beginning of the show, um, because you're not like uh, a creative professional hmm. or haven't been in the past, you yeah. are now. Um, you you had this mindset of like oh it's not that hard we can just throw something together yeah, for sure and i i i had the i had the job of saying well no there are like 20 <laughs> steps to just getting this very simple thing done yeah if we want to do it like good and professional mm-hmm. and i've definitely seen that change in you over time that you have a much much i mean like infinitely better grasp yes. on like project scope yeah that's um, very fair yeah, so I, I've I've seen those lessons come to fruition in you, my boy. Yeah, sweet, we've learned <laughs> my, both, my sweet boy. <laughs> trained you well. Um, yeah, it's such a fascinating part about creating not just a podcast, but I think any kind of <clears throat> communication. And I find this so often, especially uh, I'm, I spend. 
probably a way too much time on TikTok where <laughs> I'm uh, a lot of business people are talking about how they just create a podcast on the side mm. and you just throw it together. Right. I'm like, okay, I can probably assure that that is like a piece of crap. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, no. Unless, unless you're hiring a team or yes. something to, to care about it for you, right. you're like not caring about it in the same way that, yeah. say, you guys are or myself or other, you know, uh, other podcasters around the world who, you know, make it their brand, their identity or part of their brand and part of their identity mm-hmm. and a significant part of that. Um, and it is, it's, mm. it's a very interesting thing. It's fascinating you mentioned science communication as well because, of all things, I almost went into science communication. Mm-hmm. Um, your background in science communication, Casey, how has that kind of changed the way that you talk about, obviously, quite a complex set of topics mm-hmm. um, to an audience that you know may not understand it completely? Well, that's actually kind of the funny thing is that I don't have a background in science communication. My background is oh. in essentially just being an arborist. So my kind of focus and the thing that I've had on my, um, like that I've just put on the forefront of who I am has been arboriculture, urban forestry, and how trees work with themselves, with each other, with, uh, you know, everything around them, including people and pipes and cement and all that. But Casey, when you say you don't have a background in science communication, you mean like formal, like you haven't been formally yeah. educated how to do this. Exactly. But you have a manufactured, you, you may, you gave yourself a background by just like giving yeah, talks and exactly. stuff and having a really good personality. I feel like most science communicators are accidentally science. Yes. <laughs> Sam, that's exactly right. Yeah. Whoops. Um, Whoops. I'm a science communicator. Exactly. That's, I feel that way so hard, you guys. Like wow. that, that's exactly how I feel is that, whoops, I'm now a science communicator. I slipped into that and here I am. And you fit very well. Yeah. So honestly, it's changed quite a bit um, because I, I kind of got into science education, which is just at the time tree education, where I teach a class on tree biology or tree risk assessment or uh, tree identification, like everything that you could think that someone would need to be taught about. I would try to teach about trees, except for maybe really hardcore forestry things. I I moved away from that after college. Um, But I did, when I started the show with Alex, like my first couple ideas, I was just like, great, we're going to talk about this. And then I would just do it. But it wasn't very cohesive. We didn't have a structure. We didn't have a necessarily an idea of where we're going to go and how we're going to get there. The narrative arc. Exactly. That we've come to call it. Yeah. So, yeah. so I learned um, essentially to tell a story mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. making that into a story, um, both Alex and I felt way better because I could say, here's part one, part two, part three. Yeah. And Alex could say, okay, where's this going to go? And I'm like, intro, part two. Like we just kind of uh, put this uh, this kind of thing together. And then later down, like I think last week, a few people said, we really appreciate how you guys tell a story and bring in, you know, this tree. And I was like, that's the key. I can't believe it. It took me like probably months <laughs> and months to, to figure that out. It got to the point where I was just writing out the entire mm. uh, podcast, at least from my kind of research perspective. And I would I would type it all out as if I'm talking to Alex. And a few times I would even read verbatim because I had written it out, literally saying, "Oh, but hold on, comma Alex, comma." So, so I like I had it down yeah. to a T. Where if any time Alex would like just happen to say something naturally, it would just dovetail perfectly into this next thing. So I think that's really what I what I learned. And Alex had a lot to do with that because he, as the non tree expert is the reason that most people who aren't tree experts kind of like our show. Anyone likes our show because whatever I say, Alex responds with a question that they had because it's he he's a an everyman representation in this kind of instance, which is, in my opinion, the only reason that we're even successful is because Alex has been like, hold on, Casey, that was crazy. Could you say that one more time? And then that helps yeah. us communicate better. So I've also maybe learned it's good to have someone else to bounce something off of Yeah. to make sure that it's, it's what's clear to you is clear to you is what a professor used to always tell me, hmm. not necessarily to everyone else. Hmm. 
No, I totally get that. As a solo podcaster, it is um, it's a hard one to to be, uh, and I have to have a guest every time. Mm. It's me talking to myself lasts about ten minutes, and then it gets really boring <laughs> really fast. You're um, telling me, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> but it's like. The narrative in a conversation, we always forget that, like, the conversations we have do follow a narrative format. Mm. I'm a journalist by training. Mm. And when I worked, when I ran internships in radio, we would, I would just sit there and drill into these interns that, like, the conversation you have with this person, this five-minute conversation needs to hit every, like, bit of a narrative that you were taught in middle school Mm -hmm. because- that is how everyone consumes content. There is no way that you're sitting there going, I'm going to listen to this conversation that goes absolutely nowhere for, yeah. you know, because I like it. Because no one's going to listen to, you know, a conversation that goes in zero direction, mm-hmm. you know. Just have a just have a look at, you know, the episodes where I am by myself. <laughs> um, and, you know, I have to, well, there aren't many. They're just update episodes, <laughs> and, you know. But, you know, where, you know, those episodes are, you know, don't have many people who actually listen to them. Interesting. And not that I'm mad at all. It's because it's genuinely boring. Like, there's no <laughs> point to listening to something, someone speak about themselves for 10 minutes. Yeah, it's a, it's a curious thing, though, because I've always thought that journalism, if you are a journalist writing about science, that kind of just makes you a science communicator at some point. Hmm. But the, the line between journalism and kind of science writing i've always found to be very very fuzzy it depends on i guess your perspective you know oh yeah exactly i think that um also it kind of depends on how you present the thing Mm. so we have some very famous science communicators here in australia you guys have got your own as well in the states Mm -hmm. um that we're all probably know and are aware of um but you know these science communicators distinguish themselves away from science journalists but then these you know science journalists will dabble in science communication i think especially as we become a little bit more online and as our news organizations get onto short form uh video content Mm. a lot more um i think like at least half the news organizations in this country not that there's many of them are on tiktok at the moment so you know you know compressing a um, you know, a 30 minute interview into a three minute kind of snappy, engaging piece yeah. is, uh, is, I think, part of what science communication itself does really well. I feel like that's really hard um, to, if you have, you know, an hour of content, you have an hour long story and you need to make it a 20 minute story, you're suddenly faced with 3,000 decisions. Yeah. What to include what to not include what's what's is what is pertinent to this conversation what moves from uh gets you from here to here yeah and they're they're just endless combinations yeah um and i think at a certain point you just kind of have to like go with your gut like where does this feel like it should go yeah um because if you get if you really get in the weeds there you'll be there for oh, yeah. days trying and that's, to that's where i'm thing. at usually dwelling is in those weeds <laughs> being like well everyone needs to know the tectonic plate movements because that explains all the rest of this there are times casey <laughs> when 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 we're recording an episode and you're you're getting into something like you're just getting into a topic and i just and i know already that i'm gonna cut it out <laughs> yeah because i'm like this isn't quite I, I I edit as a kind of in my head as we record. I don't yeah. know if I've ever told you this. You have, yeah, a few times. Okay. Yeah, which makes me feel good because <laughs> you I'm won't like, Great, stop telling I'll me. I'll just keep going. <laughs> it's it's fascinating when you have the person who's editing the podcast also hosting the podcast because it's quite clear. You can tell that mm-hmm. the way it's recorded, especially when you guest on it, uh, is in the way that they edit. Mm. Whereas I know a few people who don't edit their own podcasts. You know, they often, you know. Often they've got a whole production company mm. attached to it and bits and pieces. And when you are editing your own podcast, you often like will continue to an awkward stage of a conversation without going, okay, I have to like internally edit myself for the sake of the mm. person who's editing, yeah. you know, this podcast and has to listen to this incredibly long, awkward pause as I try to figure out how to get out from this end of the conversation yeah. to the start of the next. I think over time you, we kind of learn to like, it's almost Pavlovian in a way. Like we, mm. we just know when we're getting to a point where we need to like get back to the beginning of that sentence and yeah. try again. You know? 
I think so. It was just, again, just another learning thing about being a, a science communicator or a communicator really to any point. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to figure that out, where to stop, where to start. It's fun. It is. It's a good time, and I'm glad you're doing the editing, not me. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. <laughs> it's my pleasure. I'm glad you're doing the research, not me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, everyone's strengths and weaknesses. I love it. Um, right? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not the biggest, so um, Australian rules football is huge mm-hmm. um, down in Victoria. Not the biggest Australian rules football play, um, fan. I much prefer uh, NRL, which is like rugby. Yeah. Um, and um, so when we have to write the sports reports, I'm like, I said to my coworker, I'm like, you take the AFL, you take it. You I'll, go I'll for take it. everything else. I'll take all the rest <laughs> of the sport. Yeah, everything <laughs> so else, just, like, just not no. that one. Yeah, not that one. Yeah, I um, actually I don't know no. anything about the the Australian rules football. I I know I've heard you of it. But I don't know. You got a Yank player in the league. Do we really? Um, yes, I forget his name. He popped up on my. Oh, I don't dare to say the word, but he popped up on my Twitter feed uh, over the weekend because You're he was making what? comments about the monarchy, and everyone got mad. <laughs> oh, um, of course. <laughs> nice. You know, living in Australia, having to watch the coronation basically live streamed on seven different TV channels at once. Oh my um, gosh! I think does things to people. <laughs> Is this yeah. Mason Cox? Uh, yes, I think it is Mason Cox. Okay. Yeah. All right. He's from uh, Texas, um, Casey. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Well, I'll have to yeah. watch some Canadian oh. rule, or Australian rules football. Side note, I don't mean to get too far off. This man is 6'11". <laughs> what? Oh, oh yeah. God. You've got to be told to play uh, AFL. It's Wow. Yeah. Um, and he's he's because he's tall... And then everyone who plays AFL jumps really, really high. Right. Yeah. It's like well above everyone else catching the ball. Oh, man. Uh, he should just play basketball, poor guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, we've, we've, we had a, two Australians in the Super Bowl as well. Somehow, as we, as we keep saying, it, you know, it goes both ways. Oh, know? right. Yeah. We take one of you, we'll give you one of ours. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the, the kind of internationality of sports is happening. It's kind of on a lag, I think, with the internet where the internet opened the world up to a bunch of other kind of more obscure sports in other parts of the world. And now they're getting like a little bit more popular, a little bit more uh, kind of accessible. And so I think there's more people like I'm seeing more uh, Europeans playing in the National Basketball Association for the United States than I have ever before, which I'm kind of like, hey, this one's pretty good. Like, the guy, uh, Jokic, is uh, Serbian, and he's leading the Denver Nuggets to, like, the Super Bowl of basketball right yeah. now. And I was like, okay, that's that's pretty good. Now we're in Americans outplaying, like, uh, uh, soccer, like, going for it. And I'm like, nice. Okay, maybe yeah. one day we'll be able to compete on a couple other things. But also, <laughs> at the same time, uh, I would be so great to have like the the baseballs and basketballs and NFL kind of American football getting other countries so that when they play at these big it, like international tournaments you're not just waiting yeah. for the american basketball team to just win every time <laughs> i like it a little bit more interesting if there's other other teams you know i've never excelled at any sport but I, i've always had a sneaking suspicion that i would be really good at cricket really <laughs> it is a really accessible sport is it's it really? one of those things that um we as Australians play a version of background, of back, what we call backyard cricket, hmm. where there's not really any rules, um, but it is a hell of a lot of fun. To the, uh, and you can kind of like adjust for like your playing skill. Um, but, um, even then, like just normal, like cricket, um, it, there are so many kids who play it because it's supposed to be the off season sport for all the kids who play AFL. Mm. So AFL was supposed to be, you know, so you play cricket because cricket, British colony, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah, and then, yeah. like, they're like, well, what do we do in the winter to keep active? So AFL pl- is played on cricket ovals. So oh, that's why you hear, gotcha. you know, the, this AFL game is played at the Melbourne Cricket Ground and bits and pieces because it is basically a cricket pitch. Interesting. Gotcha. I had no idea. I got to do a lot more research on Australian sports. That's what I've learned here today. <laughs> hey, you know what? I bet we can link it back to trees and make a whole episode about it. Casey. It's going to happen. Uh, you watch it. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I have seen, um, especially up in, say, Papua New Guinea, where they, uh, they'll play a version of AFL, but the, there'll be, like, a tree in the middle of a field or something. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's the so greatest good. Thing. It's incredible. I love that. It's like, oh, tree's out. So, sorry, don't hit the tree. <laughs> oh, I think that's so good. 
Look back on the topic of trees. Oh, yeah. um, wow, that was the now. I, now I'm ruining it, but that was a great segue. Oh, I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> it was perfect. Uh, <laughs> oh, we can't help but point out segues too, Samuel. We feel you. No, um, but uh, back on the topic of trees, for you guys, like, um, will there ever come a point where you run out of trees mm. or tree-related topics? Oh, to talk great about? question. Uh, I Casey has. Can I can I indulge a little? Yes, you may. Casey has fears about this. I do. That I think this is the thing that stresses you out about. Um, about I think this is the thing that stresses you out most about our show. Yeah, is that eventually we will just run out of content. Yes, it's uh, it's not the tree. There are plenty of trees. Yes. There's just not enough topics. Yes, it's the topic. Yeah. I think that we'll we'll be fine. And maybe mm-hmm. maybe I feel that way because I don't have to do the work. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um no, I don't think we ever will. Yeah, I we'll figure it out. We do we, it every week. We do every week and there's always some way to pivot, I think, and uh a way to go more granular. It's another thing I've learned mm-hmm. about the the beginning versus the end where there's a topic like um Let's say myrmecology, which is the uh, interaction between ants and plants. I, mm. if it, if I came up with that in 2001, we would have had a whole topic, a whole show just talking about that. Right. But now I've kind of realized, okay, that topic is too big for one episode. And Alex has brought this up lots where it's like, well, this is a great topic, but there's just so much we have to pare it down somehow. So if there's a way, then ideally we'll find three or four different trees that all have a very specific kind of relationship with ants, different ants doing different things. And we can have a like three or four episodes saying, we're going to talk about myrmecology. Myrmecology uh, is this, and then have a really broad subject. And then the next week, a different tree with a much more particular aspect of that kind of larger topic. So I think learning to slow things down mm-hmm. and uh, talk in very large bits and then make them way more specific helps me spread things out. Yeah. And it just makes things more clear, I think. Yeah. Specificity really, really yeah. makes our show, I think. Yeah. Without being too esoteric, we're already ah. there. <laughs> so we got to somehow. <laughs> I've never known us to have a problem with that. Hey, thank God. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't think so. I, we're certainly yeah. not going to run out of trees. There's, you know, 200 and some thousand species of trees. Yeah. So if we're only mm-hmm. doing about 50 or 48 um, a year, right now i think we should we we have a, a couple hundred years before we get there i think and we okay. have a we have a list of uh we have a list of trees that people have requested yeah and that i feel like that list just doesn't ever get smaller I, it's because i haven't ah, deleted I any but yeah oh because well, i i we've actually done several of those trees okay. i just haven't uh I, I haven't taken them off alex i'm sorry yeah but it's a it's a big list so it i think is. we'll i think we'll be fine yeah so hopefully and then i i I think there's always a way for us to add in new perspectives is another thing so um because i'm the one who does most of the research you hear the casey version of the story and there's always another perspective and it i think would be um i think we have an option to move a little bit more and maybe do more interviews or bring someone else and say hey why don't you tell us about this tree and then we can you know have a have a a larger conversation about it rather than just me presenting these things here or there you know yeah so fingers crossed i i think we're going to be okay at least until one of us gets burnt out and then we'll just uh we'll just i don't know choose one tree yeah. and be like this is the last tree in the world wow. but that's uh seems to be oh. pretty far in the future right now <laughs> actually really good hypothetical question if you had to do your last episode what tree would it be on i know Ooh. oh what would you choose well our very first tree was the douglas fir yeah and then we just did a kind of a redux we we uh, we made another douglas fir episode yeah um with all new information and research. So I think the only logical thing to do is for our very last episode to be our third Douglas fir episode. Okay. And that would be return of the cones. Right. So we have, yeah, our first episode was called episode one, uh, the phantom fur. And then this one we just did is episode two attack of the cones. Yeah. And so I think the last one would be revenge of the pith. (laughs) 
Yes. Ah, yes. The only thing that makes sense. Okay, yeah. I, I assume that I, I have to agree with that. But I love he, circles. You know, I want to yeah, close that loop. That sounds good. Yeah, you can't just end a trilogy with uh, with two inter or two uh, iterations. No, never. I don't. That's a good question. I honestly, I don't know what it would be at, but I'd have to think of some intense uh, symbolism to to show. I feel like it would be a tree that either continually reinvents itself mm. or like a tree that's gone extinct. And then we can say, this is the last tree that ever existed. Goodbye. Wow. Yeah. That's intense. Hit it really hard. If everyone's crying at the end of the episode, isn't that good? <laughs> uh, sure. <laughs> I don't know. What a, what, a, what a great way to measure success. <laughs> um... <laughs> um so, uh, for your audience, like, what has been their reactions to your content and the way that your content has changed mm. over the past few years? Mm. You know, uh, it was weird for me to see how much people cared about it right away. Mm. We had, we had, and I'm not like, I'm not patting ourselves on the back. All of this. All of this early popularity is due to Allie Ward. Mm, yeah, uh, with Ologies. The, the host of Ologies and, and Casey for yeah. being on that show. Like, Casey had a bit of a built-in audience, you know? Mm -hmm. And then Allie really promoted the hell out of us. Yeah. Very kindly. Um, I was surprised that people cared so much, like, right away. Yeah. And they, they would, you know, uh, even the people who sent us emails saying... These episodes are too long. You guys need to edit these down. Mm -hmm. Even they cared enough to, to send an email. Yeah, to send an email. They want it. They want it to be, you know, good for them. Yeah. Um, but over time, I don't know. I feel like we have a really, we have an incredibly strong fan base. Mm -hmm. uh, strong uh, emotionally, like they, they, they show us a lot of love. Yeah. Um, they support us like crazy that was that was another surprise yeah for sure how how much people uh want to support the podcast yeah i i would say that it's um the way it's kind of the arc that's happened is we've we've got a lot of responses in fact i'm right now going through all of our emails that we've gotten this entire you know journey and i'm re-reading re some of the the old emails that we mm. got and what I think I've learned is um, two things. One, everyone has an opinion on a tree, which is <laughs> half the reason I wanted to do this because yeah. I wanted to tap into that and also provide my opinions. And so I've learned everyone, you know, no matter what you say about a tree, someone's going to have another option or another, sure. another perspective on it. And often, yeah. I guess... Whenever we hear about it, it's usually someone either hates what we did or or thinks we didn't do a good enough job. Um, a lot of like, I can't believe you didn't mention. And that's the other thing yeah. I've learned is, you know, with the show at the beginning, like I was saying, we tried to just talk about the tree. We didn't know where we were going and we would just, you know, say fact one, fact two, fact three yeah. and just kind of move on. Um, and then I realized like we were running out of time to just say everything interesting about a tree. And now um, we have to pick and choose and editorialize. Like, okay, we're going to talk only about this particular aspect of this tree. Then we'll have to choose a different tree to talk about another aspect that kind of is relational. And we get so many people saying exactly what Alex just said. Like, I can't believe you didn't bring up this thing or that thing. And um, bless them for being so kind to reach out. But they assume we haven't found that. We didn't know. And they're like, well, you didn't know about this. And it's like, oh, no, trust us. We did. We just could not talk about it. So yeah. we'll have to do it a different time. I will also say uh, kind of a, you know, when you're on the outside of sort of a niche interest hobby, like trees. Yeah. Um, you don't really understand how people could be really passionate about it mm -hmm. or have like super strong opinions. Yeah. So kind of a shocker for me is just to see how many people are like so in love with trees. Yeah. This thing that I, I didn't really even, I mean, I, I, I didn't know what an arborist was or did, you know, until a couple of years ago. So to find so many people who are, not only passionate about trees, but like work with trees and it's like really close to their, 
their hearts and, you know, they have emotional attachments to certain species or yeah. even certain specimens. Um, mm. That's been, yeah, that's been really cool and strange, I think, to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are plenty of Casey's out there. Yeah, you know? it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> there's more of Casey than we thought. Um, <laughs> no, if there's, like... I always, I always say, if there's one thing you ever do to a podcast, is please just contact us, message us mm-hmm. wherever you prefer, email us. I love getting emails from listeners. Um, yeah. To the point where I get excited and talk about them to other podcast creators that I've spoken to because, you know, it, it is just kind of amazing to 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 see that people are listening and invested in the podcast you're creating. Mm-hmm. Um. And to realize that you have, like, a community around topics. It was always very fascinating yeah. when I first started because fairly early on I did an episode about doll collecting with mm. um, my friend Carrie, and that one kind of got a little bit out of control to the point where um, I still use it as an example of, like, what a good episode of Content really? Capable is, even though it was, like, oh, like it's been two and a bit years since I recorded that episode. <laughs> My content's changed a bit, you know. I was going to say, yeah. The changed. Um, but, you know, it's still, like, oh, this one is, like, perfect. Um, gotcha. Not that, you know, I'm not proud of any of the other episodes I've, I've created. Sure. So, it, it's just been so fascinating to see, you know, unexpected points where, you know, the people who listen to your podcast care really deeply about. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been pretty heartening. I mean, especially, you know, like creative people have it so tough because we have this desire and like pain in us to like be seen and be appreciated. Mm-hmm. But then the, the kind of irony, the, the sick, cruel irony of the Internet is that anybody can reach out to you the people who appreciate you and the people who don't like what you're doing yeah um so it's it's been a learning curve to well casey will even say like don't read that email (laughs) yeah yeah there's we do get a few (laughs) that people are unhappy with something we said or did or usually just a small thing it's never the editorial things that we get um, usually we get some good responses. Someone reaches out and says, hey, we see what you did. Thanks for doing that. Or we liked how it happened. It's the, a lot of times of one particular thing we said or a, uh, like uh, a decision on structure or how mm-hmm. we do something. Like at the beginning, we tended to eat a few things as a part <laughs> of the show. Like we weren't just, you know, casually yeah. oh. snacking. And we got a lot of people said, I hate how you did this or it's gone too long. Um, so yeah, it is, it's nice to get those, but I've been getting, uh, working with the city of Portland as a regulator. Right. I got so many emails of so many people who are so mad about the decisions that I made that weren't even my decisions. You know, code said do this. And all I did was say, <laughs> code says you have to do this. Yeah, um, Casey's the Casey's the thick skin of <laughs> yeah, completely yeah. arbitrary. Yeah. And I am the, tender heart <laughs> yeah he's hiding he's, behind him you're getting you're getting tougher enough enough of those am, emails and alex is like ah whatever yeah it's true. but yeah you got to take the good with the bad but it's always nice uh to get more good than bad mm-hmm. and so far it's been what 99 to 1 yeah. percent you know good versus bad which is really nice like you're saying it's nice yeah. when you have people who reach out to you just to say thumbs up mm-hmm. keep doing that i love this Look, to be honest, I even like I'm even fine with hate. I suppose I've got a, yeah. a being someone in the public eye. I've uh, I, I cop a bit more of it than uh, than a lot of people do. Mm. Uh, that and the fact that there's a suspicious amount of my personal life uh, online as well mm. now with this podcast. Yeah, um, but you know, um, like even that, like to an extent, it's like, well, someone cares enough to listen, right. like, and um, as much as you might hate it. I'm glad that you're listening. Um, right. The worst part is where someone's like mad at you, uh, and we f- we have this in journalism all the time. Someone will knock on our door and go, "I'm mad at you for this article. Why didn't you talk about this in this article?" I'm like, "Well, did you read the article? Because I did mention mm. it in that article." Uh-huh. Um, we did a particularly controversial article the other week um, about um, about a group of people uh, who have started a little bit of a group in town. 
uh, that isn't particularly savory, mm. savory, and that's all I'll say on it. You can go find the article yourself mm-hmm. if you know where to look. We're just going to send um, an email with our opinion. We're not going to read it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and these, this group of people knocked on our door the Friday after we sent out the paper on a Wednesday. So, you know, a couple of days after, and they're like, you know, we want to talk to you about your article, this hit piece. <laughs> My editor, I wasn't the one who wrote, wrote the article, it was my colleague, yeah. but my editor was like, okay, have you read the article? Um, and they're like, well, no. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, let's read the article first before yeah. you start, you know, making opinions about us um, and our political and mm-hmm. uh, moral motivations. Like, I, I think people often forget that um, there is like a code of conduct and a, a set of ethics and rules that... Um, most people aspire to in most jobs and positions. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of frustrating to watch people forget that consistently. Yeah, right? And the internet feels like a place that has really fomented that forgetfulness mm-hmm. where everything is a source. So you're all, you, yeah. you know, you, you lower the high standards and you raise <sighs> the low standards. Funny, yeah. And you're like, oh, gosh, okay. So, yeah, yeah that's frustrating. A, a big part of kind of the... Um, uh, I want to say visual language, but uh, audio language, aural language of our show is irony Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. like making a very deadpan joke out of things. We just find that funny and like it's just a part of the way we make our show and you'll get the odd person who doesn't get it doesn't get that doesn't see it or takes you way yeah. too seriously yeah, yeah we, i guess yeah journalism's you or journalists don't quite have that uh, uh that luxury right. all the time <laughs> you say it was a joke yes <laughs> um I, but even then like to a, to an extent especially when you end up being in more like opinion or conversational journalism mm. where you just talk about and you you make a joke like that people the, the amount of times, or you make a comment or a pun or something, the amount of times people take offense to it, it is, you just got to develop that thick skin in the end. Like, there's just no point to taking anything personally. Yeah. Um, I think I've learned to just, like, and, and maybe Casey will, like, chuckle and roll his eyes at this, because maybe this isn't what I'm projecting. But I, I have, to an extent, learned to just, like, put my head down and keep making the show the way I want to make the show. You have. I think you have. Yeah. You just must. Yeah. You know, if you, if I think like any, I hate this fucking phrase, any content creator, ah, like oh. everybody gets to comment <laughs> on your shit. And I think it's really easy if you're like a sensitive person to like take people's opinions too seriously and start letting it dictate your work. Yeah. Um, we have not done that proudly. Yeah. When we're, I think, um, <clears throat> Uh, actually, um, Hasan Minaj, uh, one of the comedians who was on the Daily Show, uh, for a long time, yeah. he um had a uh a good opinion. Uh, he was on a podcast that also did video, and he was a guest, and he was talking about the difference between an artist and a creator, mm. and kind of the fact that a creator just feeds an algorithm, whereas the artist put something out there then goes and cries about it afterwards <laughs> whether or not anyone is paying attention to it that's perfect and i don't oh I, i'm paraphrasing a little bit but it was <sighs> it was a really good point to to kind of uh make that distinction and i was like thank you because i never thought of myself as a content creator never thought of myself as an artist necessarily either but it's that uh that kind of interesting place where they all it's like that venn diagram where where everything kind of overlaps and intersects mm-hmm. is where i think the really good work is the best work where you're creating content but not for the sake of creating content you're an you're an yeah. artist but not uh without an eye towards what you're trying to get across yeah making know? something genuine but that is also well loved and popular. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that sweet little sweet spot spot that we're trying to that we're trying to hit. Yeah, we, we try every every it's episode. It's so right. hard to get. It as is, well, isn't it? Because yeah. you just um, like even even in like and it's it's not just like podcast creating. It's all aspects of cre- of creating content. Like even the dreaded content creator is probably aiming for the same thing. Mm-hmm. And um, you know. <laughs> It just reminds me, and I hate the fact that it reminds me of a Bible verse of all things, yeah. but it does remind me of like it's, um, it's it's easier for a camel to get through the eye of a of a needle than for someone to get into heaven or something like that. Oh. There's some, some point like that, mm. um, like everyone is aiming for this same really specific, really small part, um, 
And so we're all really trying hard. So it's going to be so easy to, to get something wrong, uh, right. and, and stumble. Yeah. Um, not that that, that means that we are, you know, we can't content create anymore. We can't, you know, you know, engage with communities anymore. It just means that we've got to try to keep being better and better. Yeah. I think that's the goal. And especially with a, uh, a show that comes out weekly for however many years you have a lot of practice mm -hmm. you do you, yeah you get good at it and you it becomes a well-oiled machine at that point. yeah for sure i hopefully and then sometimes it's not yeah we're, Some we're still working on it sometimes we forget to oil it i think yeah sometimes it feels like we're hand cranking our podcast <laughs> and other times it feels like a tesla yeah right <laughs> that's a good way to describe it yeah um it's definitely uh it's a fascinating uh aspect um of of, of it all it's just yeah I, and you're totally right i just sorry the analogy is so good i'm lost for words um <laughs> but you know it, it is really quite fascinating to watch everyone aim for a similar goal mm -hmm. um and the different approaches as you said you know making content for content's sake making you know content that's going to both satisfy you personally but also you know be appealing to audiences yes yeah. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's when you put it, when you say it like that, it sounds impossible. Yeah, it does. But hey, the some of them do it, and ideally, you know, you can get a little bit of that because some some people just, I think they're just good. They just they they hit on some cultural chord, and it's just resonated, and people yeah. are just about it. So. Yeah, fingers fingers crossed. We'll find that quarter. At least we'll keep plucking it. We found a good one. We're, we're still we're still we're happy with the sound that it's making. I suppose yeah. to carry the metaphor. Good way to say it. Yeah, that it is. It's it's amazing. Well, um, thank you guys so much for coming on Content Cable. It's been a blast. Hey, of course. Thanks very much for having us. Sam. Yeah, we're thank happy. You, Sam. Uh, we're happy that we got connected. Yeah, it's been it's been amazing to chat, and I feel like we could probably chat for like another two or three hours. <laughs> Easy. Absolutely. Um, except I probably think we need like a round of drinks. <laughs> yeah, um, we'll have to we'll um, have to go calm ourselves down, get ourselves all, all of our third or fourth coffees today. <laughs> yeah, something to snack on, something to drink. Um, I think it'd be uh, perfect. But um, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, arbitrarypod.com. It's a r b o r t r a r y pod. Yep. Uh, and then any any like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, Spreaker. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> technically. Uh, any you, any any podcast app you have, we're on there. Yeah, you can also find us on Instagram. It's uh, arbitrary pod at arbitrary pod, mm -hmm. and uh, we're all over the we're all over the internet right now. We're we're trying to uh, get as much stuff out there as we can, so anyone can find us and interact. Whether you want to read an article about the tree, you want to listen to us talk about it, or you just want to get cones of uh, cone stickers from really cool trees around <laughs> the world. You can find us on Patreon and join up there. Yeah, I think we're at the point where you can even misspell our name and we'll, we'll still show up. Oh, fingers crossed. That uh, SEO optimization. That's how you know you've made that it. That is. Right? It's exactly how we know that it made it when Google doesn't underline arbitrary yeah. saying, you misspelled this word. Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. Yeah. And you guys personally, do you want to share your own uh, personal social medias? Sure. Yeah, I'm a, uh, I am clap for trees on instagram and everywhere else right now yeah if you want to venmo me you can <laughs> at me on on that too let's clap with two p's and the number four correct thank you alex uh, i'm at alex croson c-r-o-w-s-o-n and uh can i shout out i, ha I have a record a new record <laughs> yeah go ahead go ahead yeah uh, yeah find me on spotify alex croson my new record i say new it was last year um, yeah it's called sorry i missed you newest record and i would love for anybody to listen to it yeah playing a show actually uh you're playing back up with our friend kyle this week right yeah yeah, yeah. Another... If, anybody, if if anybody is in portland on uh may 27th <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> come on by and listen to some music yeah oh that's awesome it comes at perfect timing as well it's just a week and a bit away from when this podcast is coming out wonderful okay perfect um, yeah um Awesome. Uh, and has there been anything you've been watching, listening to, mm. reading um, that you wanted to plug? Succession season four. We are. Yeah, I'm just about oh, done with Succession season I'm so far behind. <laughs> oh, oh, you got to get there. Yeah, with uh, Sarah Snook, Australia's own. Yes, that's right. I know. She gives an Australian energy. I'm only like 
I've only just finished season one because, uh, and it feels very blasphemous as a journalist to have not been watching Succession because <laughs> it is literally just about the Murdochs. It is pretty yes. much Australia, Australia's least favorite export. Um, <laughs> but um, it's just like it is kind of uh, amazing the Australian energy she brings to a role that you know is quite clearly American. Wow, fascinating! Uh, yeah, I'll have to pick up on that because I, I, she, I had no idea that she was anything but a an American English speaker. Her mm-hmm. accent is so good; it's perfect. So I, uh, it is. yeah, it's the it's the attitude. It's like gotcha. when she there's that screen cap of her putting the finger up with her face, and it's like that is such such an Australian. <laughs> oh, way that of, is like, so good. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see. I, I think that's the only thing that I'm watching right now. There's a writer's strike in Hollywood, right. or I guess in, you know, for the union yeah. of writers up in, at least in the United States. So I'm in solidarity with them. I, I, I think everyone who does the hard part of art that doesn't get enough credit needs to get that credit, at least in forms of money. Yeah. But also. Oh, yeah, exactly. Usually I watch SNL, but because of the writer's strike, no <laughs> SNLs come up. So I can't watch my, my, my dumb oh. comedy right now. Uh, of all things and this will be a little bit of a bonus go and follow Adam Conover he used to be a college humor and dropout writer I don't know whether he still is but he's been doing a lot of coverage of the picket lines at least on the west coast has he okay Um, uh, and if you haven't go and join your union yeah, right. I should. I haven't even thought about joining a union. I've we got to get on that podcasting. Yeah, union. I guess I never thought we've made it. So <laughs> maybe we have, right? Union, Potentially, where where we'll we'll strike Spotify because that's something that works. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll we'll get all the rest of our uh, our big podcast names on there and be like, no more Spotify, and they'll yeah. be like, actually, I think I'm going to drop out of the union. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, no, yeah, of all things, the union that I'm theoretically a part of uh, has, like, a really cheap student membership, and because you had to pay in a year installment each, I'm still theoretically a student. Nice. Well done. I'm like, I cannot wait until I have to renew my membership yeah. so I can, like, go, I'm a full-time student. Like, I've yeah. done it now. Uh, nice. I think, yeah. um, yeah. I don't know that I'm listening to, to too much new new stuff right now. Um, I've been listening to a lot of like playlists over and over again, mm. but I think the the band that I'm consistently and constantly into, uh, there's two of them. One is Man Man, who's a, a band from Philadelphia via Los Angeles, I think, and just one of the oh. just so much fun to listen to. Their their last three albums are amazing. And then. Yeah. Uh, another band that unfortunately broke up this last year called Every Time I Die. And they're a, a hardcore metal band, and I love them. They're just they're too much fun to listen to. Mm-hmm. And if you're if you're into uh, if you're into the punk side of metal and just want to get your energy out, can't recommend them enough. You know what I say about them? What? It finally happened. Uh, what? What? Every time I die. <laughs> Alex, I don't get it. Uh, oh, I see. I think it's is... fitting to end end the end the podcast with a bad joke uh, that goes over Casey's head. It happens so often, <laughs> right over Casey's head. Um, before we get Sorry, finished, um, you can find me at Sam the Journalist on Instagram and on TikTok. And while the podcast is no longer on Twitter, I still am at Sam Ob Journalist, um, where I don't know. There's a hot take every now and then. Um, I I just exist there. It's been fun. I observe uh, most of the time. Did you get your uh, blue um, check mark? No, never ever. All did. right, good. So you didn't lose enough. anything here. Um, <laughs> no, I didn't lose anything. And luckily, Elon Musk is like, ah, uh, nah, he's not important enough to get. Okay, perfect. It <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, helps neither am I. Of all things. Yeah, of all things this week, I'm going to plug The Hunger Games mm. because I have never read or watched it and my housemate uh, got me watching uh, the four movies a couple of weeks ago and I've just started reading the first book uh, via audiobook. So it is, uh, I'm really experiencing it for the very first time nice. uh, and it's been very fascinating. Very cool. I, yeah, I, I appreciate that because I'm usually that person who, you know, 15 years later is like, have you guys heard of the Red Hot Chili Peppers? <laughs> this band's crazy. <laughs> like, oh my God. So I'm, I'm with you so, so hard yeah. right there. 
Yeah, no, it's been kind of uh, very fascinating to experience for the first time right as this new movie is, like, being in the throes of being marketed out of the wazoo. So, There's a new Hunger um, Games? Uh, it's uh, the movie adaptation of the book Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh wow. okay. And every, at least my TikTok feed, half of it is just analysis of the Hunger Games. Gotcha. Uh, at this point, these creators just need to be paid because they're doing the marketing. <laughs> they're just doing it off. Uh, they're, they're so happy. The, the, the marketers are just like, don't say anything. Just yeah. let it keep going. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, um, thank you so much for coming on Content Capable. It's been an absolute blast. Thank it you so much, been. Samuel. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. And uh, we'll hopefully talk again sometime soon. Content and Capable was recorded, edited, and produced by Samuel O'Brien. You can follow the podcast at Content, the letter N, Capable on Instagram, and you can find it on Facebook. You can also send an email through to contentandcapablepod at gmail.com with any of your thoughts, queries, or concerns. The best way to support the podcast is to leave a review on your preferred podcatcher so more people can hear the podcast. The art was done by Opia, and the music was written, edited, and produced by Jason Hilton. Content and Capable is proud to be a part of the Deus Ex Media Network, where you can find a podcast for any of your nerdy interests. We are... Not the Crystal Gems. We are the Bits. The Bits, the Bits, the Bits. A Steven Universe Review Podcast. Celebrating the 10th anniversary of a show that's very near and dear to our hearts. So get ready to cry with us. And try our best not to sing. As we rewatch one of the gayest shows of the 2010s. New episodes coming out to you every Friday. Featuring your favorite host, Charlie. And Robert. Thank you for listening to Content and Capable. Don't forget to rate and review. And we'll see you next week for another episode. Media.